Hey, I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person, and I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If there's any way that, that we can pray for you, if you want to contact us, that Connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring an offering, a worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our Give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the Word as we look at it together. I welcome you to Big Valley Grace Community Church. Welcome to everybody who's here on the Modesto campus in the Worship Center. Welcome to everyone who's joining us live right now on the online campus. We're excited to be with you in whatever room you're in. If it's your very first time here, we're really glad that you're here. Uh, thank you, my friend. We hope that today is an incredible encouragement to you as we've come together with the family of God to sing in worship and to be in the Word of God together, to have people be baptized, to bring gifts to the Lord, to have people use their gifts in service to the Lord. And we hope that today's a great encouragement to you. So if it is your very first time, welcome. We're glad to have you here. We're gonna be in the book of Ephesians together today. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Ephesians chapter six. If you don't have a Bible, you can get one today. And the way that we can have a Bible in your hands is right after the gathering here on the Worship Center in the Modesto campus, come to the room that says the altar. It's the altar room. It's a room we pray for people in right after the gathering. We'll invite you if you need prayer. We'll invite you to that room today. But if you have a, need a Bible, we have Bibles there. They're great Bibles. They're free Bibles. We want to give one to you as a gift. If you're with us in the online campus, just reach out to Pastor Brandon Peterson and our online campus team. We'll get you a Bible. We want everyone to have a copy of the Word of God. But we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 today. We're in a, a two-week series looking at the armor of God. The series is entitled Battle Ready. And I would say this. There's a spiritual war that's happening. There's a spiritual war that's going on all around us. And if you're unaware that there is a spiritual battle happening, you are probably not prepared. And so we want to not only become aware that there is a spiritual battle happening, but we want to be ready. We want to be prepared. And it's the heart of Ephesians 6. Clearly, we see the heart of God that we would stand in the battle. And so we're going to look at this text together. But before we do, I'm going to pray and ask for God's help. Father God, Lord, would we have your help today as we look at your word? Specifically in this passage, it identifies we have an enemy. And I would imagine the enemy is not pleased that we're going to talk about the fact there's an enemy. And Lord, I can only wonder how many people are not actually in the room right now because the enemy has attacked them this week. I wonder how many people in the room have experienced an attack by the enemy this week. God, would we be protected by you even as we look at this text together? God, would we find the solution of Christ in the midst of a battle? 
Lord, would we be willing to humble ourselves to receive what your word has to give? God, help us to put aside arrogance and pride. Help us to see you as the solution. And help us to be willing to respond to the call to action that you give us to stand in the battle. So Lord, would you use this series in our lives? Would you use this word in our lives as we look at this text over the next two weeks? And would we as a church be more prepared for the battle that you've called us to be a participant in? That we would not be sidelined and we would not be irrelevant to the battle, but we would be in it. And we'd stand in it because of Christ. So I pray this, and I'm again asking for your help, and I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's family said. Amen. 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 Well, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it starts with the word, finally. And it'd be a good question to ask, finally what? Finally what? Why finally? Well, if you just observe the book of Ephesians, you can see that the word finally, it's coming in the last chapter, it begs the question, what's changed that this word finally would now be here? Before we get into the armor of God, I want to talk a little bit about the structure of the book of Ephesians and the section that begins with finally. But to understand the book of Ephesians, you can see it that it has three parts. The book of Ephesians can be understood in three parts. And this is one way to understand those three parts. The first part can be known as sit. Part number one, sit. And it would be Ephesians 1, 3 through the end of chapter 3. And it describes our position in Christ, what is true now of our lives as we are in Christ. And a key verse to help us see why I would describe this as sit is Ephesians 2.6. It says that Christ has seated us with him. God has seated us with him in the heavenly places. That is how God sees us now. God sees us as seated with him in the heavenly places. Now you may think, well, how is that possible since I'm seated here? Well, in God's economy... It's different than our economy. And in God's economy, though you may be seated in the worship center or though you may be seated in your home or wherever it is that you are online, God sees us in Christ as already seated with him in the heavenly places. And the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians really talk about our position of being seated with Christ. If you're ever having a hard day and you need to be reminded of how much God loves you and what he's done for you, you just need to read the first 14 verses in the book of Ephesians. Because the first 14 verses in the book of Ephesians describe what is true about you in Jesus Christ. Incredible titles. Redemption, adoption, predestined. I mean, incredible titles given to us in Christ. And so I'd encourage you, make Ephesians 1 your friend. The second part of the book of Ephesians can be understand or understood in the word walk. Part number two, walk. It begins in chapter four and it goes to chapter six, verse nine. And this section explains not only our position in Christ, but now from that position of being seated with him, how are we gonna operate ongoing? How are we gonna go throughout our days? How are we gonna walk with the Lord? 
A verse that can help us see this is really at the beginning of chapter 4, Ephesians 4, verse 1. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling. So if he's called us to be positioned and seated in Christ, let's walk around like it. If we're seated with the Lord, and that's how the Lord sees us, let's walk like it. Let's walk in a manner worthy of the calling. And it addresses um, a number of relationships, the unity in the body of Christ, the new life we have, walking in love. It addresses uh, the marriage relationship, children and parents. It addresses the, the really significant cultural relationship of bond servants and masters at the time of the writing. But that we would walk in Christ. Part number three is stand. We see this from... Really, it's just 11 verses from 610 to 620, which is where we're going to be. We're going to be in that section over the next two weeks. And this is about standing in the battle. And a verse, it's, it says stand a number of times in this section, but in 611, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, it says stand against the schemes of the devil. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. But there's a real emphasis that we would stand. Let me put it this way. It's not, an, it's, it's not a matter of if we're in the battle. It's a matter of how are we doing in the battle. We're going to get knocked down. There are moments we're going to find ourselves in the gutter. I would prefer not to stay there. I would prefer not to stay knocked down in the battle and in the gutter. I want to get up. And I want you to get up too. We've got to encourage each other to get up, to stand. And in this section, there's a real emphasis on standing. Let me help explain as we walk through about four verses from 610 to 614. In 610, it says, finally be strong in the Lord. The point is that we would stand in Christ, not on our own. And you know, the battle, it's happening every day, all week. And so daily in Christ, we need to stand in Christ every day. 610 goes on to say, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So not are we standing in Christ, but we need to stand strong in him. Now my strength fails, your strength fails, but Christ gives strength to his body. And so even in when we are weak, we can find strength in him. Isaiah 40, 29 says, he gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Have you ever been faint? Have you ever been in a position of no might? Well, God gives power and strength to those who trust in him. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul writes that Jesus had told him that even in his great difficulty, what he, what he called the thorn in his, his flesh, the thorn in his side, that Christ told him, my power is made perfect in weakness. Do you have a place of weakness? That's the place that God wants to show you how powerful he is. So to stand strong. Philippians 4.13, Paul says, I can do all things through him, through Jesus, who strengthens him, who strengthens me. Not only stand in Christ, stand strong. Verse 11, it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We need to stand against what I'm going to call demonic plans. We need to stand against demonic plans. There's a lot of schemes of the devil that are happening in our world right now. 
Let's talk about a few of them. There's a country that's being destroyed in war right now. This morning, I received an update from missionaries who are in Ukraine. This was one of the students who's a part of Grace Bible Seminary who's sharing this quote. I've never seen anything worse. People live in cellars not because they're being bombed, but because they simply have nowhere else to live. All the buildings have been destroyed. So they're underground because it's the only place left that there are rooms. At the time of the shelling, there were 32 people in one of the cellars, that is, in a room smaller than our seminary cafe, speaking of the, the Grace Bible Seminary in Ukraine. A young girl gave birth to a child under such terrible circumstances. Can you imagine that? Being crammed into a cellar and a young girl giving birth. How destructive. How destructive. Now, at the same time, God's working. Because another section of the country in another city, there's reports that churches are being packed as people are running to the churches. There's not even public transportation because everything's destroyed, but they're running to the churches they, because they're seeking hope. They're seeking hope in Christ. And so incredible ministry is taking place. Another report was that people are being trained to help people deal with the trauma that they have experienced from the war. God is at work in the midst of great devastation. But the demonic plans are real. Demonic activity is real, and it's evil is behind a lot of the evil we see. I mean, just think about that. You're seeing evil? Well, there's evil plans behind it. Last week, right here, we spent time praying for the police officers in our country. I didn't know that a retired police officer working at a grocery store was shot to death in Buffalo, along with a total of 10 people. Someone went into a grocery store and opened fire. Not only that, in Southern California, while we were here Sunday morning sharing the gospel, someone walked into a church building, locked all the doors, killed one person, shot five people. That's evil. This is so evil. All of this is so evil. There is demonic activity that is happening. Now, whether or not those people were possessed by demons, I can't say. But I know we have an enemy, and I know our enemy is evil. And there's schemes of the devil that are happening. You might think, well, that's in another country, or that's you know, in another state, or that's in another city than where I am. Okay, well, how about in our own city? How about on Coffee Road? This is a group of people, many from our church this morning, who stood in front of a building that abortions happen in, and they prayed. They prayed against the schemes of the devil that are happening in that building. That's on Coffee Road with an organization called Love Life that we've been looking into. Praying. The whole purpose they showed up there this morning was to pray. Probably every one of those people have driven by that building lots of times. I know I have. I've lived in Modesto my whole life. But to get out of the car, to stop, to stand in front of a building where really evil stuff's happening and to pray. Just ask God for help because there's schemes of the devil. There's demonic plans that are happening. It might be the devil's being a little more covert in your life and he, the devil's just gotten you really busy. And you're just too busy to pay attention to the fact that there's an actual battle going on. And so you're not even aware that there's a battle because you're just so busy with everything. Life's so busy. Well, maybe this will be a great moment for us to wake up that there's a war happening, a real war, spiritual war. 
The next verse, verse 12, it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You know, we're supposed to stand in the spiritual conflict. I have boys who were wrestlers. Wrestling's an interesting sport. But when you step onto a mat, you understand who your opponent is because you can see them in front of you. And what this verse is saying, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not a human we're wrestling against. Now, we tend to want to point at flesh and blood because it's the easiest thing to see. So we'll point at a person. We'll blame flesh and blood. But let's not be unaware that there's a real enemy behind evil. And you know one of the ways the enemy really wants to get us tripped up is to fight each other in the church. That we would wrestle the flesh and blood that's a part of the body of Christ. That we'd, we'd spend all of our energy getting really frustrated and really upset with one another. Instead of standing in the battle where there's a real enemy and it's not the person sitting next to you. Verse 12 continues, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So another way we stand is against demonic enemies. And it lists a number of titles right there in verse 12 that are given to demonic enemies. Amazing. So verse 13, therefore, what do we do? Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to... to to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So we're to stand battle ready. We're to take up that armor, which is exactly what we're gonna look at. So become battle ready with six pieces of God's armor. We're gonna look at three of the pieces this week and we're gonna look at three of the pieces next week and we'll cover this text over the two weeks. But to become battle ready with six pieces of God's armor. I had such an amazing time with our teaching team this week as we met and we talked through all six of these pieces of God's armor. And I think this is gonna be a great encouragement for all of us. I know it's already been a great encouragement for me as we've just done study and we've dug into this. Uh, One of our teammates, her name's Roberta, she shared with me uh, this past week knowing that we're in this series that when she mentors people and disciples people, she hands them a card that has the armor of God on it. And this card explains, here are the pieces of the armor of God, and it explains, here's how you can be praying through the armor of God. And I thought that was a a great encouragement to me, that she's ready. She's ready to encourage somebody regarding the armor of God. She's got a tool that she made, and she's ready to give it to someone. It was about six months ago, there's a couple in our church family that I gave some gifts to. The first gift is a coin. And it's a coin with a picture of the armor on it. And it explains all the pieces of the armor of God. And I challenge to the husband, you know, keep this coin with you. And that when you need to be reminded about the battle that you're in, pull this coin out and pray the armor of God over you. To the wife, I gave a bracelet. And my wife and I gave these gifts. I'm speaking in single person, but my my wife and I did this together. And we gave this bracelet. And the bracelet had all of the pieces of the armor of God, you know, formed around the bracelet. Hey, when you're getting discouraged, when you feel alone, when the weight feels too heavy to bear, think about these pieces of the armor of God and pray them over your life. And be reminded you're actually in a battle. You're in a battle. Well, I hope that this series really is an encouragement in that same way. 
that we would be reminded to put on the armor of God. And it's a choice whether we're going to put on the armor of God or not. And there's consequences for putting it on, and there's consequences for not putting it on. But one of the ways that we encourage one another when we come together in weekly worship, or we come together in a small group, or we come together in a place of service, all are accountability for for being in the battle together. And so this is a moment that's an accountability moment. And And I hope that you would receive it with a lot of grace and that this would be a blessing, that this would be an accountability moment And maybe you'll have other accountability moments this week when you get into your small group or your place of service and you'll encourage one another, let's be battle ready. There's a real battle going on. Let's be prayerful. Let's have the armor of God on that we might be able to be about the Lord's business. So piece number one is the belt of truth. The belt of truth. And you know, the enemy wants me to believe lies. The enemy wants to take lies and shove them down my throat. And the reason I know is because they're on billboards all over the freeway. They're on advertisements all over TV. They're all over social media. They're all over the newspapers, right? I mean, the enemy is so good at just shoving lies down my throat. And the enemy wants me to eat them up. That I would just believe a bunch of lies. This next fall. We're going to do an entire series this fall, the entire fall. We're going to be looking at the core doctrines of our church, the core beliefs of our statement of faith, to encourage one another in what we believe about Jesus Christ. I'm really looking forward to it. Verse 14, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. Let's talk about the belt of truth. The belt is God's word. It's God's truth, not your word, not your truth. The belt is God's word, not yours, surrounding you. Think about that. In the same way I put a belt on today, well, I'm putting the word of God around me. And and it's being in the word of God. It's having some self-discipline. It's having some commitment, some preparation. My, My son, bless his heart. Man, he gave me a challenge this summer. He challenged me to read the whole Bible in 90 days. That kid, what was he doing, Dad? Put the belt on. I'm challenging you, Dad. Put the belt on. That guy, I love him, but man, what a challenge. The belt is God, not you, holding you together. God wants to hold you together. His word's gonna hold you together. The truth of God's word, it it shores up our lives. And to be real frank, in a practical way, it keeps us from having our pants fall down. Which if that problem alone could stop in our world, a lot would be solved. (laughs) The belt is God, not you, strengthening your core. Being strong in the middle because the belt is around you. You know, when we think about the Roman armor, you know, the belt was kind of, you gotta think about it, like it girded everything together. They didn't want anything flowing. Do you think garments? They didn't want anything flowing. They wanted everything to be tight. Everything tightly connected together. No loose clothing. Because they didn't want the enemy to be able to grab onto anything. Well, when we're, we're tightened up by the truth, then the enemy's not gonna have anything to grab onto. Psalm 15, one through three says, O Lord, 
Who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart. Who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor nor takes up reproach against his friend. I mean, a real real warning and invitation really to have character for us to be known by people of the truth. That you'd be known, I'd be known as people of the truth. People of God's truth. You know, the danger here is that we would allow there to be an entry point in our life for the enemy. That the enemy can, can grab a hold of. And there's such a great encouragement in James 5.16. And this is it. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. What an incredible encouragement. The enemy wants us to hide our sin, not be honest of our sin, so that that sin is always his weapon against us. The secret that's being kept. And the encouragement for us to have freedom in Christ is... Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. When I hear you've sinned, I'm not surprised because I already know I have. So why would I be surprised in hearing that you've sinned when I already understood I have? And what the enemy wants to do is to take those lies and to have us hide so the enemy can use that as a weapon against us, that we wouldn't walk in the light as he is in the light, and have fellowship with one another. So, the belt of truth. Put it this way. Without the belt of truth, you are not ready for the battle. But with the belt of truth, you're battle ready. Without the belt of truth, you are not ready for the battle. But with the belt of truth, you're battle ready. Piece number two, breastplate of righteousness. What the enemy wants to do is the enemy wants me to think that my own righteousness is good enough that my self-righteousness is good enough, that I can just work hard enough to be good enough to make it all work out. And so the enemy wants me to believe that, that it's all resting on me and my good works. That's not what the breastplate of righteousness is about. In verse 14, it says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate is God's righteousness, not yours, applied to your heart. Think about that. The breastplate is God's righteousness, not yours, applied to your heart. Ephesians 5, 1 through 3, it says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Then there's a warning. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. The call is that we'd walk in the call to Christ. Section one of the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters, are all about how we are in Christ. Section two is all about how we're gonna walk in Christ, that we would walk in him and his holiness. The breastplate, think about this, the breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate is God's righteousness, not yours, and think about where it's positioned. The breastplate is positioned between you and your enemy. What's between you and your enemy? What's between the heart of your enemy and your heart? The breastplate of righteousness. God's righteousness, literally a protective wall between you and your enemy. It's amazing to think about. 
Matthew 6, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. If you seek after the righteousness of God, you've got God's righteousness as a protective layer between you and your enemy. Like a barrier, like a firewall, like a security system. As you seek the righteousness of Christ, that his righteousness would be the layer of protection between you and your enemy. Now, that breastplate of righteousness, it protects you from living a life without Christ's righteousness, and it leads to much pain. The pain of an unrighteous life is massive. And so the encouragement is, don't don't live in unrighteousness. Live in the righteousness of Christ. And let him protect you from the pain of unrighteousness. The breastplate is God's righteousness, not yours, protecting you from a fatal blow, a spirit of the heart to take you out. So, you know, it's, this, should really be, this should really be challenging to us because we gotta be careful to take that armor off. You take that armor off, you ignore God, you ignore him in your life, it is gonna lead to sure failure. And so we gotta encourage one another, let's have it on. Let's be in him. Let's have that belt of truth wrapping us up. Let's have the breastplate of righteousness covering our chest. Here's a thought. Without the breastplate of righteousness, you are not ready for the battle. But with the breastplate of righteousness, you're battle ready. Without the breastplate of righteousness, you are not ready for the battle. But with the breastplate of righteousness, you're battle ready. So the encouragement, remember, this is an accountability moment for all of us, myself included. The encouragement is let's be battle ready. So we've looked at piece number one, the belt of truth. Piece number two, the breastplate of righteousness. Piece number three, the shoes of peace. The shoes of peace. Now, I know from very personal experience, the enemy loves to attack me in this area because the enemy wants me to live in hostility with other people. The enemy wants me to be frustrated with other people. The enemy wants me to be upset with other people. The enemy wants to be angry with other people. The enemy would love if I was just really mad all the time and did not have peace in my life with the Lord and peace in my life with you. The enemy would love for me to live in hostility. But here, piece number three is shoes of peace. Verse 15, the last verse we're gonna look at in this text. As shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Now, there's a fear that many of us deal with, and that's the fear to take action, the fear to do something. We can look at the belt of truth, you know, we, we tighten that up, and the breastplate of righteousness, we put it on. But what's the point of shoes if you're not gonna walk somewhere? Why put on shoes? We used to joke when we had our first child. Those shoes, what was the point of why we bought those shoes? That kid's feet never hit the ground. We were always carrying that kid around. Grandparents were always carrying that kid around. Our friends were always carrying that kid around. I'm surprised that kid had any muscles in his legs. Like, what was the point of the shoes? I put shoes on when I'm gonna go somewhere. Well, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, putting on the shoes is taking action for the gospel. 
That's the point of putting the shoes on, is to take action. And we can deal with a fear to not act and to not speak and to not do. But these shoes of peace, they're God's equipment, not yours, to mobilize you. And you may be thinking, I just can't get mobilized for the gospel. Well, maybe, you know, don't rely on yourself. Rely on the shoes of peace that God wants to give you that are going to enable you to take a step forward. That you could actually take a step for the gospel. That your fear would be overcome by putting those shoes on and, and walking. The shoes of peace are God's leading, not yours, to guide your steps. You may be thinking, well, I'm not exactly sure where I'm supposed to go. Yeah, well, join the club. I don't have my whole life planned out and every step I'm going to take all figured out. But you know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to figure out the next step. What's the next step that God has for me? What's this step God wants me to take right now? I'm trying to pay attention to that even as I'm talking to you right now. I have a plan. I have notes. I'm trying to pay attention right now in this moment. What's the step, God, you would have me take right now? And so if you're wondering, man, I need some help in God leading me, man, let's put that belt of truth on. Let's have his righteousness cover our life. And let's put on the shoes of peace and trust he's going to help our foot land in the right place. You know what's interesting about shoes is you can look at someone's shoes, you can see the type of job they have, potentially, maybe. You know, when we do the shoe drive in the late summer, Kicks for Kids, it's a bunch of sneakers for kids. You can tell what the purpose of the shoes are for. A stage full of shoes. You can go, okay, these, are for, these shoes are for kids. Well, if you showed up to a, a certain occupation, like a construction site, I'm guessing you'd see different shoes than what we're doing for the little kids, right? So they can go to school. You can learn a lot by looking at the type of shoes. Well, I'm guessing if you saw a Roman a soldier from that time, you'd look at the shoes that that Roman soldier had on and you'd go, those are battle shoes. Those are not shoes made for running away from the enemy. Those are shoes made for going towards the enemy and standing in the battle. Now, we want to be prepared. The gospel of peace, the shoes of peace, we want to be prepared. 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16, a great encouragement. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, get this, not if you are slandered, when you are slandered, not if people reject you, when they reject you. Well, I don't want to put the shoes of peace on. I don't want to share the gospel because I'm afraid to be rejected. No, you're going to be rejected. Don't let being rejected stop you. Being rejected is a sure outcome in some situations. Not everyone will reject you. But it says when you are slandered, when you're slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Why? Because you got the belt of truth wrapped around you. You're walking in the light. You're walking in the truth. You got his righteousness, not yours, covering your chest, covering your heart. And you got these shoes of peace, the gospel of peace, guiding your steps. The shoes of peace are God's protection, not yours, to give you safe steps. You know, I want to ask this question. Who had on the gospel shoes for you? Who was wearing the gospel shoes that walked up to you? so that you could hear the gospel. Do you even know? Do you remember? Do you remember who shared the gospel with you? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. 
who, pu- who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. In the New Testament, Paul quotes it and says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. You know, there's been some really beautiful feet in my life. People who were willing to walk to me with the gospel. Beautiful feet. Do you remember the beautiful feet of those who have brought the gospel to you? Are you ready to be beautiful feet? To bring the gospel to someone? Someone is waiting for some beautiful feet to show up in their life. Now, I'm not asking if your regular feet are beautiful. I don't care if you got ugly feet. But do you have beautiful feet in Christ? Where you're ready to be the feet that walk the gospel up to somebody. Incredible. Incredible. Without the shoes of peace, you're not ready for the battle. With the shoes of peace, you're battle ready. Without the shoes of peace, you're not ready for the battle. With the shoes of peace, you're battle ready. Peace one, belt of truth. Peace two, breastplate of righteousness. Peace three, the shoes of peace. We're looking at three this week. Next week, we'll look at the next three. But I want to end in this way. It's called the armor of God for a reason. Because God's the only one, not you, who makes you battle ready. So we really need to trust the Lord here. And we need to lean into the Lord. And really ask him to help us that we might become ready for the battle. To not trust in ourselves, but to trust fully in Christ. It's called the armor of God for a reason. Because God is the only one, not you, who makes you battle ready. So let's lean in to God. Let's lean into him. Let's lean into his truth his righteousness, and his gospel of peace. Let's stand together. I'm gonna pray for us and then our team is gonna close us in singing, okay? Father God, Lord, as we stand before you, God, we take the, we take the instruction of the chapter, stand, 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 stand. And Lord, would you help us to stand? And so as we're physically standing right now, Lord, would you help us to spiritually stand? Lord, help us to be aware there's an enemy. Help us to understand who our enemy is. Help us to understand how to be battle ready. And would we be different because the, would we be different because your armor is on us? And would your armor being on us distinguish us in the battle? Make us ready. Lord, we love you. We need your help so much. We need your help so much. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said. Amen. Amen.